Hello, my name is Samuel George London and welcome to Comics for the Apocalypse. On today's episode, I speak to comic book writer and magnificent bloke, Jed McPherson, about what comics he would take into an asteroid impact apocalypse. But before we get into it, I'd like to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, Comic Scene, who have a new summer special coming out this June. The special features strips from the 77, Brawler, Space Warp, Sentinel, Wallop, and of course, the Comic Scene annual itself. Plus, a free limited edition print of the cover is included with every purchase. To get your copy of the Summer Special, you must be part of the Comic Scene Comic Club, which is available from just £3 a month at comicscene.org. Now, without further ado, on with the show. Hello, Jed McPherson. How's it going? Hi, it's good, thanks. Yeah, good, good day. Yeah, excellent. It sounds like you've had, uh, before we, we came on the air and talking about uh, what we've been up to today, and it sounds like you've had a pretty productive day. Yeah, yeah, I've got uh, about seven pages of comics written, which is good for me. I normally average about like between four and five on my writing day. So um, yeah, having a good day of comics time. Seven is solid, man. Um, and for, for anybody that hasn't come across you just yet, uh, what do you do in the world of comics? So I'm a uh, writer and a letterer, um, and I mostly specialize in writing crime comics. Um, I originally wrote uh, a book called Deadbeat with Chris Sheehan, who you might know from the autumnal, um, which was a uh it's a crime story about a deadbeat dad who reconnects with his estranged daughter through armed robbery. Um, I'm currently kickstartering a book called Cuddles, um, which is live at the moment. And it is fantastic. Um, you were kind enough to, to, to let me have a, 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 a preview of it. Um, and it's just brilliant. Um, so before we get into kind of exactly what that story is about, um, everybody go search on Kickstarter right now, cuddles or click in the link in the show notes, go check it out and go back it. I have, um, cause it is, it is bloody brilliant. Um, so Jed, give us a bit of a flavor of what cuddles is about. Yeah. So cuddles is about a, uh, debt collector for a local mobster who, um, finds out that his partner is sort of stealing money from their take. Uh, and I'll normally just like kick the hell out of the the guy and I've done with it. But it turns out that the, his partner is actually his boss's son. So it's a little bit more complicated from that. And uh, it's sort of the complications that come into his life springing from that. Yes. Um, and it does, it gets very complicated, um, which is absolutely fantastic. Um, and there, there are so many good little um, tidbits um, let's say within the story as well. Um, I'm not going to spoil anything, but um, it's it's fantastic. The art is absolutely perfect for oh, this. Yeah. Um, both obviously the the line art and um, the coloring as well. Yeah, uh, Marco uh, Peraguni is in, on the inks, uh, and we we've actually worked together before. Um, the, the whole team have worked together before, so I have like an idea of what sort of energy he brings to the book. But he's absolutely fantastic. He's got this really like European cartoonist style because um, obviously he's from uh, he's from Italy. Um, and then you've got Shan Bennion on colours, um, and they're just like bring it to the next level. Uh, their like palette choices are so interesting, um, like in a in a good way. Normally, when people say interesting, they mean like as a mm. euphemism for like oh that was weird uh but yeah like <laughs> uh I, like every every time i uh like get pages from shan they're always just absolutely fantastic and it, it's never what i expect but always in like a good way it's always like a happy surprise whenever they land in my uh inbox yeah it's great when that happens yeah when you when you aren't expecting something and uh yeah no it just takes things to a whole different level and and it helps you appreciate the fact that 
it's so good to actually have a team on board because somebody's obviously looked at it from a completely different point of view and has taken your initial idea to somewhere completely different. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of the things, I think uh, Kieran Gillen talks about it as like he, it's, you're the first reader of your own work, which you don't get in any mm-hmm. other medium. Um, like you actually mm. get, get to experience the story, like ob- obviously not like completely blind because I know the ending, but <laughs> mm. like you get to yeah. actually like re- read it and, and see how like it plays out. Yeah, exactly. No, that's fantastic. Um, and yeah, uh, again, folks, go search Cuddles on Kickstarter or click the, shink, the uh, link in the show notes. Um, but where else can people find you online, Jed? Yeah, I'm uh, on Twitter mostly. Uh, that's probably the easiest place to find me, uh, at Jed McPherson. It's pretty simple. Uh, I've also got a newsletter that I pretend is monthly but like I, I didn't send one at all last year so <laughs> yeah like, I've, I've been there i've been there don't worry <laughs> yeah i i always have like good intentions i have like a like three months where I, I keep on top of it and then uh like it falls apart but that that you can find on my website which is jedmcpherson.com which also has not been updated for the longest amount of time so uh ignore <laughs> how uh barren that is uh as far as content goes but it's got all my links on there so you can at least find the more up-to-date stuff exactly that's the main thing um and uh, yeah of course those links are in the show notes everybody so uh, go check out jed whilst we're chatting um now um all of that aside um unfortunately at lunchtime today um, whilst you're in the midst of your uh, very productive seven-page writing day, um, an asteroid hit, unfortunately, um, in specifically in the uh, in the middle of the UK. Um, so my question for you is: What is your action plan for survival? Well, first, I guess it's probably been bumped. Like the apocalypse has been bumped slightly down the news cycle, just based on the Dominic Cummings interview today. But, yeah, uh, I know. I tell you what. So the asteroid actually hit there. All oh, <laughs> right, okay, <laughs> even better. Yeah, the, the first time an asteroid's actually uh, provided like some genuine goodness in the world. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so I, I like. I, I think my action plan um, would would be to get to as high an area as possible i'm assuming like an asteroid's going to cause like absolute chaos with the like tsunamis will be all over the place especially if it's like london um so i'm gonna yeah. go like try and head up the pennines as as quickly as possible it's just uh just yeah jump in, jump in my car or grab a bicycle and, and get out of here <laughs> nice and is anybody coming with you uh, I mean, I'll, I'll take my dogs. Uh, I've, got, I've got two dogs. I think they'll be semi-useful in the in apocalypse situation. Uh, Fantastic. At the, very, at the very least for com- uh, company. <laughs> oh, yeah, 100%. You'll need that, definitely. Yeah. Um, and uh, now you found your, your spot high up in the Pennines. Um, and for, for anybody uh, that's not in the UK, that is an um, a area of outstanding beauty. Um, and there, it's a mountainous kind of region, not mountainous as in like the Rockies, yeah. but very, very, very tall hills, <laughs> very <laughs> steep hills too. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, go on, Jed. Yeah, about as mountainous as the UK gets. Uh, yeah, exactly. Like, so Scotland, I guess. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, and uh, yeah, you find a safe spot. Um, you set up a, a campfire with your dogs um, and whilst you're staring into the fire you start reminiscing about comics um and something must have been in the fire that's starting to cause you to hallucinate because your dogs are talking basically <laughs> um and uh, the first question that your dogs ask is what's the first comic you remember enjoying so when i was a kid um I, I sort of have two memories and i'm not sure like which the first one was um but i had a friend who lived like down the road you know like how when you're a, a young young kid you tend to just like you see another kid playing outside and, and all of a sudden you're fast friends um but he his dad had a full collection of the the beano annuals like going back to um like going back to like 1970s probably even before that um so i remember wow. picking those up and, and flicking through those um so that was sort of my first real exposure to 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 um to comics it was either that or it was still the beano but I, my dad bought me like the the 
weekly issue, so I'm not sure which one came first. Uh, it's a little bit like um, me- messed up in my brain as far as like you know the the order, but it was one <laughs> of that like either the Beano Annual or the Beano Weekly comic. Mm. Nice, and so um, what? Obviously, that's kind of where your love of comics stems from. Um, but uh, was there was there any particular part of the Beano that that stood out to you? I always really liked uh, that you got like a, a suite on the front regularly. Uh, that was always a good good feature that you got like yeah. a toy or something like that. But uh, as, as far as like the content goes, um, I, I really like the Bash Street Kids, uh, like the sort of like gang uh, of un- unruly students that um, mm. get into various like hijinks. I really like that like their short stories as well. I think they were like only. A- a couple of pages each one. I thought that was really interesting that they fit in like a ton of stuff in, into that, like in, in two, three, four pages, uh, kind of like a, I mean, it's similar in format to 2000 AD. Um, but yeah. Yeah. The short, the short and sweet format um, was, is uh, very enticing, um, particularly yeah. for children, of course. Um, and so from there, um, did you, did you make any attempt to make comics when you were a kid? I'm like I'm sure I did. Like every, everybody has that thing where you know you fold a, a, a paper into six and and make panels. But um, <laughs> like I can't remember any. I, I vaguely have like a memory of doing like a clip art comic once, or like a clip art oh, picture cool. story. Um, yeah. <laughs> but like yeah, nothing like significant until I got like a little bit older. And so, what was your first foray into to creating your own comics? Um, I, but I mean, I would guess like my, my first full foray was I I, I was um like I started off like when I was at um, university. I did, I did a postgraduate in magazine journalism. Um, wow! And I was just miserable doing it. Uh, like, just didn't like. I had an idea that I wanted to be a journalist, and then found out that I was just fundamentally not suited to to that style of writing. <laughs> Right. Yeah. <laughs> like found that yeah. about a year year into this postgraduate course in it um and like i had a we had like a reading week and instead of doing my uh instead of doing my studying like i should be doing i just decided i was going to do something fun um and i'd been reading a lot of comics it was sort of around the time the avengers had come out so i was like super into right. superhero comics at the time um and i just started like writing uh writing a comic um and fell in love with the me well fell in love with the format of creating comics at that point um yeah that was sort of my first foray into actually making comics um and then like a couple of years later i uh like actually started like commissioning artists to make you know to actually like have a real comic <laughs> yeah so, yeah and so was there it was a um any particular way that you discovered that you could write comics? Um, like, was there a light bulb moment at all? Um, I mean, I, I think I just like, I think any form of creation uh, stems from like a deep seated arrogance uh, that like you look at something <laughs> like, sure. I mean, I, I was reading Criminal at the time by uh, Brubaker and Phillips. Um, and I read that and thought, I could do this. Uh, and then awesome. just, just was like I had a go and found out that no no I can't uh, at least not <laughs> at that point <laughs> um, it's way way harder than it looks uh, but yeah like st- st- <laughs> stuck with it long enough to um, to like actually I, I hope be quite good at it now so mm. yeah and and if you were to go back to a younger Jed what what type of advice would you give him, um, having experienced um, the the comics that you've created now? Yeah, um, I, I was. I mean, I, I would definitely, uh, if, if I could go back, um, I would be like, oh, okay, like pick up a couple of uh, issues of um, The Walking Dead one and just like keep mm-hmm. them in good condition. Uh, that will pay for like so many comics <laughs> that you can make later on. Uh, <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> um, other than that, I would be like, maybe don't do the magazine journalism, just start writing comics straight away. Like get a year's head start of £4,000 of tuition that you could just hammer straight into comics. But I mean, like at least 
doing that. Um, I, I got like some um, like experience of like uh, like layouts, which has been really useful. Um, I, like I mean, in terms mm. of like magazine layouts, like Quark course, yeah. and, and InDesign, um, which has probably saved me a little bit of money. I'm not sure if it saved me four thousand pounds yet, but like over time, <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. it, it, yeah. it I, I'm not having to pay like people to lay out my my books, so. Uh, yeah. <laughs> nice. So you, you've got that covered. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, was there was there any particular um, bit of writing advice that stood out to you from either a book, an interview, or anything like that? Um, I, I mean, I'm I'm one of these people who who doesn't set much store by writing advice. I think a lot, like a lot of the <laughs> good writing advice is contra- con- like it's a contradiction. Like, yeah. Um, but uh, I, the the one that I actually think is kind of universal, um, I mean, there's two. One is like finish things. Um, you you don't get better unless yeah. you're actually like producing work. Um, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, and the other one is, and this is the one that like everybody uh, like recommends, and nobody actually follows. And that's uh, start with something short. You're going to get so much better. <laughs> yeah. With, with your like your first script uh is going to be dreadful um and if your first script it like ties you into like a 60 issue series you, you're gonna have a bad time uh, <laughs> so yeah, yeah like definitely um just just do like four page six page eight pages and, and work your way up to getting to mm. a point where you can do like longer projects um Definitely. And it's not to say that you can't have those aspirations. You can have that idea kind of burning in the background, right? Um, because a lot of people just want to get that 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 kind of that Lord of the Rings idea that they've got in their head that they want to get out to the world. <laughs> and it's like, well, no, just let that brew, you know, but focus on like yeah, those short stories at the start. Um, and uh yeah, then uh, you'll you'll be better for it because you you would have become a better writer for this yeah. great idea that you've got. You know, um, so I think yeah. you're 100 percent right there, man. Yeah, I mean it, it's I mean Lord of the Rings is a good example because Lord of the Rings didn't start with Lord of the Rings; it started with The Hobbit, a much no. like less even much yeah. more focused, uh, not focused, but a much shorter book, didn't it? Like so. Yeah, exactly. Started off with The Hobbit, and then yeah. Yeah, he he just had this flippant lie. Well, it was a it was a scene <laughs> with Gollum, and like then it turned into Lord of the Rings, of course. Um, yeah, but uh, no, yeah, um, that's, that's definitely it. Uh, now, uh, returning back to the fire on top of the Pennines, and you're still hallucinating because um, your other dog asked you, "What's the funniest <laughs> comic or mo- most laugh out loud moment in a comic that you've read?" So, so I've picked a, a reasonably uh, recent one for this. Uh, Superman pal, uh, Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen, who killed Jimmy Olsen by Matt Fraction and Steve Lieber. Um, genuinely, one of the funniest comics I think I've ever read read in my entire life. Um, just laugh out loud, funny all the way through. Um, yeah, it's great. Fantastic, and I tell you what, this is. Um... This has appeared on the show quite a few times in the past couple of months. Um, people are absolutely raving about it. Um, I've been meaning to get around to buying it, and I am going to buy it <laughs> at some point because it's, it's just it's turned up so, so many times that a it's funny and b it's good. Um, yeah, but um, I mean the the title kind of you know tells it all. But are there, are there any um, about what the story is? But are there any kind of, is there a particular moment within that story that stands out for you? Yeah, there's, there's one one scene which is like, it, it's so, like, it's really subtle. Basically, have you seen um, Goldfinger, the James Bond film? Sure. Um, yeah, you know, that starts with the scene with him swimming up um, in a, like a wetsuit, getting out, unzipping it, and he's got like this tuxedo on on yeah. uh, underneath yeah. it so the one of the episodes one of the issues of jimmy olsen uh starts with that with uh with jimmy olsen swimming up in this wetsuit climbing out of the thing un- unzipping and he's wearing a uh he's wearing a tuxedo and he goes and does all of like the the stuff in the thing um 
in the issue. And then it ends with him walking out, taking off his wetsuit, revealing um, no, sorry, taking off his his suit, his, his tuxedo, revealing another wetsuit underneath it. Amazing! <laughs> so he's amazing. He's coming wearing it. Yeah, it's just genuinely one of the like because it's separated by like you know the entire issue, um, and it just ends with him walking into the. Oh, it's just great. I really like it. Um, and there's like <laughs> other really good bits in it. There's like a there's. Um, there's a cat that vomits blood everywhere. Uh, um, <laughs> it, it's just great. Like, uh, it's a really like fun send up, but also like a love letter to the idea of like the DC universe and shared universes in general. That you've got all of this like um, weird stuff going on in the background, and, and Jimmy Olsen is is sort of like a lens for looking at that. Yeah, it's great. Um, That's fantastic, man. I love it. Uh, now, uh, heading back to the campfire, the next question that crops up from your dogs is, "What's the saddest comic that you've read?" So, so the, the fact that you, you you've, <laughs> you're using my dogs as this it makes this one a little bit awkward because I, I, it is. Sorry about that. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I chose a book called Stargazing Dog, um, which is it's a manga, uh, and it's about this guy who um, like. His life basically falls apart. So he's got like, um, yeah, he's like his daughter hates him. He's he's lost his job. His wife's divorcing him. She takes the house, all of the money, leaves him with a car and this dog. And he goes on a road trip to um, like just drive down to see it. Uh, drives across Japan to see if he can like find a better life for himself and his dog. Um, and it's just like it's told from the point of view of the dog. So you get like all of this, like narration of this dog telling, you know, not understanding what's going on. But as readers, like obviously we understand like the changes as it gets, um, like it starts to get ignored by the daughter. And then the, 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 he starts getting walked during the day rather than after work. And they take him to the job center and stuff like that, or the Japanese version of the dog center. Um, and it just like, Without getting into spoilers, like it ends the kind of way that you would. I mean, it, I say without getting into spoilers. Literally, the first page is the 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 um, the the main character and the dog like being discovered as corpses by the police. So right. I guess that's not really a spoiler. Right. Got you. But like the yeah, way it yeah. builds, so you know that's coming through the story. Yeah, um, and there's like all these like nice little moments in it, like where where he's like doing things for the dog, like giving the dog like a meal rather than having one himself. And it's obviously as a, a dog lover myself, any story about dogs always like gets my heart. Like, uh, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Um, that that's my choice for that. It's, it's also like got like a, a, a like a follow-up story called Sunflowers, which is as tragic as well. Like it's absolutely heart wrenching if you uh, like dogs. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> oh so it's another it is another dog story yeah Some yeah I, it, it's about a guy like who's who has to find out like the identity of the guy from the original story um and, and like he's right. reminiscing about a, his childhood dog at the time and and how he didn't play with it enough and, and it, yeah it's really uh yeah tried like sort of heartwarming but also really sad at the same time oh man brutal um, yeah. It's funny how we we do that to ourselves, isn't it? Like trying to <laughs> find sad. So I think it's it's kind of kind of like listening to a sad song, isn't it? When you're yeah. when you're upset, um, you just want to do that. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what that is. Um, I'm sure there's some psychological reason for that, um, but uh, it can. It, I think it it can help you get out of emotional situations, can't it? That. I think so. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean, it, it, it's, it's I, I would guess it's maybe that like it's sadness that you can put down. Like, you right. know, you, you can take a vacation in sadness, like, and, and you don't have to like live with it the same way that you would have to live with like real grief. Um, but yeah, mm. I, that's just me speculating. No, that makes sense. That makes sense to me. But uh, yeah, no, that's good, man. Uh, now, um, next uh, question 
that comes up and we're changing gears here a little bit is what's the scariest comic that you've read so i i I, for this one i picked the uh enigma of the amigara fault by junjay ito Uh, i'm sure like you've had i was originally going to go for uzumaki but i thought i'd be a little bit more hipsterish than that and choose like a second (laughs) one uh yeah choose his like second most popular uh story um <laughs> but yeah uh it's a um sort of like lovecraftian um story style like style sorry about like these um there's an earthquake that reveals uh, a bunch of uh holes that are shaped like people in in a mountain uh in japan mm-hmm. And people go uh, are drawn to it for for whatever reason. That's sort of where the like Lovecraftian aspect comes from. Um, and then when like they get there, they find like holes that are perfectly shaped to the body, and they sort of climb in and, and disappear into them. Um, but like I don't, I don't know like how familiar you are with Junji Ito's work. Uh, Not massively. Um, yeah. I'm I'm well aware of kind of the actual art style and from hearing people on the show talk about it um that's that's kind of been my uh my inception into Genji Ito but I I do need to take some time to actually properly properly read his work yeah um I mean like the art style is what I was going to mention is that he has like this Mm. like really grotesque body horror style to his work um yeah and like as these people go like deeper into the whole uh that, that shape like their body it deforms and they become like all long elongated and stretched uh, yeah mm-hmm. it's like it, it's just got this really like horrible feel to it like this really like sense of dread and what's happened to these these characters um and you can't really understand it but like in that sort of like if you understood it it would make like it less scary it's the fact that like yeah yeah like they're not responding in it is an enigma literally yeah, yeah. that's basically what <laughs> it is yeah um i mean i would recommend most of john Ito's work uh he also does a really interesting yeah. um like a diary comic um which is drawn in the exact same style as his horror comics uh about his cat <laughs> so it's like this heartwarming yes, slice i've heard of this one yeah. yeah um which is also great uh highly recommend that as well brilliant yeah, it's funny. Jinji Ito, when I when I first saw his work for the first time, probably when it was first mentioned on this show, um, I kind of got the feeling it was like looking at, you know, the the drawings of a disturbed teenager with a biro. It <laughs> yeah. kind of felt like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like it, not to, not not to say that you know it's it's kind of. Not to put him down in any way, but it felt like that that's what's going on there. Obviously, it's absolutely fantastic artwork. But um, yeah, I just felt like he, he's been doing that since he was a teenager, definitely with a biro. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's, there's that definite um, sort of like trying to gross people out aspect to some of his work, I, I think. Like, because some of it's absolutely mm-hmm. like stomach churning. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but always there's always something interesting in there like an interesting idea or an interesting image Uh, Mm -hmm. yeah i'm a big fan of uh work fantastic uh now uh we're moving on to my favorite question uh, and that is what is your favorite cover so i'm a i'm a big fan of like design-based covers um rather than sort of Mm. illustration stuff so i really like um the cover for the well, I like all of the covers for Zero, um, by Lescott and like a just an absolute ton of different artists. But it's, it's put together by Thomas Muller, um, who's currently doing like the the design work on the a new X Men series, uh, the X Men line. Yeah. Um, but I, I really like this this one because it's got um, like the the concept of like Zero is like each issue is. Um, I don't know if you can hear that. That's my dog in the background. Oh, yeah, your dog, your dog does not like that. Oh, he's just trying to yeah. protect you from uh, from potential uh, people who have kind of, you know, cottoned onto the asteroids apocalypse and are trying to steal everything. Yeah, there we go. He's calmed down. All safe oh. now. All safe. Oh, yeah. no, they're back again. 
<laughs> so sorry about that. Um, yeah, no. Um, like so, it, it, each it's um each issue is drawn by a different artist. Mm. Um, so like one one of the things that the one of the things that I really like about it is that it's got like a little sliver of art from each artist on on the cover but um done in like a really interesting like layout um yeah it's, it's really clever stuff that sort of sums up the the sort of central concept behind the book um which i was i was really like um yeah i really i i like it i've got it in, in front of me here if people want to um search for it if you just search for zero volume one um, then it then it will come up, and as you say, it's kind of like a collage. Yeah. Um, as that as though he's cut it out of the actual books themselves and kind of stuck them on top of each other and lined it up. Like for instance, um, like the the middle bit, who I assume is the main character, is made out of two um, of the different issues, and he's kind of lined up the face. But I mean, you can tell that they're different images, but they're kind of like work together at the same time <laughs> yeah yeah so that, like each one's like done by it's a completely different artist on each one i think uh yeah, yeah it's a really like interesting um way, way of getting across like all of the the the, the, the disparate um like art styles that's in the books like if you when you're flicking through the book obviously like you've got like trad Moore doing an issue and and then you've got like uh Michael Walsh right does the first issue um and it's like a completely different feel to each story um but like Thomas Muller like brings it together in a way that actually makes coherent sense um which is really really good um and the, the and the series itself is actually like it's, it's excellent but it's like the cover was what got me initially to to check it out yeah yeah, because it is it is very different to to any other um, comic cover that you have out there. Um, so yeah, that definitely catches the eye. Yeah, I mean, I guess like the closest thing that I can think of um, is like maybe DMZ that has that collage style stuff, or um, possibly right. even like Global Frequency. But it, it's a very rare like art style, like a very rare like to go like so heavily into like design rather than like a, illustration um yeah i really like it it's great no it is fantastic um now moving on to another of my favorite questions and that is uh, what's the most meaningful comic to you yeah so when i was uh initially getting into comics um i i picked up the um i picked up phonogram um by kieran gillen because i was uh, Kim Gillen and Jamie McKelvey. Um, I was super into video games at the time, and, and obviously Kieran uh, Gillen came from video game journalism. So it's like, oh, I'm getting into comics, and this video game journalist who always writes really interesting stuff is is getting it like has, has started writing comics. Um, yeah, so I, uh, I picked Phonogram, uh, the Immaterial Girl uh, issue four. This is actually the third volume of Phonogram. Um, but it's it's about a character called um, Mr. Logos, uh, who is a very pretentious, uh, <laughs> like writer, uh, like someone who's very pretentious about music. Um, and it, I just it when I was reading, it, I was like, oh, that that's 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 me, and that's not me in like a good way. This is like all of the bad uh, sort of. Um, <laughs> Like sort of bad, pretentious, um, you know, self-involved, kind of judgmental qualities of, of myself, but like it, it's done in like a kind, like it, it's not like a, a hit piece on the character. It, it's done with sort of like um, you know, a, an, an understanding that young people are going to be young and and um, and stupid in various different ways um and it was also one of the one of the issue like phonogram in general is one of the the series that really opened my eyes to like what comics can be um because obviously like Kieran Gill and, and Jamie McKelvey are always like pushing boundaries as far as like what sequential art can do um so I thought that was really uh really like really spoke to me on like two different levels plus uh it has like one of my favorite like it introduced me to one of my favorite bands um 
which is Los Campesinos, uh, which I like have listened to obsessively since then. Um, so yeah, that's that's why I sort of. Love I haven't them. come across them. What, what were they called again? Uh, Los Campesinos. Um, Los Campesinos. Like, I have not. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they were like an indie band, um, sort of like got lumped in with like the twee core movement, but like they were like they're very clever lyrically uh um yeah they they there's a line not in uh phonogram the immaterial girl but in one of like the other issues where he he says that they're uh they're going to be big and then corrects himself saying they're not going to be big but they're going to be big to some people um so yeah like whenever you go to a lost campesinos gig there's like always like tons of people who are like super fans but like not you, they're, they're playing in like small venues which is like yeah excellent because you get like a much more intimate feel to it it's great nice nice love it um now uh what do you think is the most underrated comic so um i, I picked the needleman by martin simpson um which is a small press comic uh that came out like a couple of years ago i think it was originally published by soaring penguin press um mm-hmm. It's kind of like this dystopian, um, like this this dystopian, almost nineteen eighty four style book um, with just this absolutely fantastic art style, um, just hyper detailed. Uh, like Martin's an like an absolutely like just fantastic artist. Uh, he's got a real unique style to him. Um, to, to, to his stuff it takes him ages to draw anything like just because of like how uh how like yeah. detailed this is but it's, it's worth the way in my, in my in my mind um it's absolutely just a fantastic uh like interestingly written interestingly look interesting looking book um cannot recommend it highly enough um, I actually need to buy another copy of it because I keep giving, like I gave my <laughs> previous copy of it away. Oh, really? uh, yeah, so I, I need to grab another copy of that. Um, I meant to do it at Fort Bubble, but obviously <laughs> that did not Didn't happen. happen. Not, until, not until November now. Yeah, yeah. fingers crossed. Um, <laughs> so, so. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, yeah, no, you can, you can get a real good preview of it on Martin's website, actually. So if people want to check this out, because it is, it's really, really good. And as you say, the the art style is kind of hyper detailed, but it's it's beautiful, actually, yeah. um, isn't it? Um, so yeah, if you if you Google the Needleman by Martin Simpson, then he's got quite a few of the pages on the um, on his website there that you can check out and really get a flavour for it. Um, because it is absolutely beautiful. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like it, it's one of the like you're walking around Comics Village, and that one always stick, like stands out to me just because of how like gorgeous the art is, and and um, like how well presented the book is. Um, mm-hmm. The whole thing's just a an object, and I vaguely remember, I like it, it's been like a, a year since I. Uh, uh, since I like read it, cause I gave it away like like two years now. Uh, mm-hmm. the, so I it's printed in like a bigger format than like a standard comic, like it's almost magazine size. Um, As well, and that's yeah. something to mention about cuddles. Actually, <laughs> just go back to your work <laughs> is that it is it's 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 oversized, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's going to be uh, like the final book of that. Well, the the, the printed version is going to be like perfect bound. It's thirty two pages of crime comics, and then we've got like um, an illustrated illustrated prose story at the back, uh, which like bulked it out to it's just under just over forty five pages of content, I think. And then we've got like some some back matter and stuff like that. So yeah, slightly bigger than usual. Um, yeah, and it's a completely like finished story as well. Yeah, we're not going to sting you for like issue two. <laughs> <laughs> no, totally. Um, it's ready to rock. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, no, fantastic. Uh, now uh, back to our uh, comic choices, and we're on our penultimate question, and that is, what comic would you recommend to a friend who's never read comics? Yeah. Um. So I I picked Criminal uh, Volume One Coward. Um. Because it was one of the first comics that I read when I was getting into comics. Um. And the reason why I've picked this over like 
anything else. Like, I know like a lot of people use like Watchmen as a jumping on point. Um, but like that's so grounded in like the grammar of comics, like it's all built around like the nine panel grid. Um, and it's very mm-hmm. interesting to people who are interested in comics, but a lot of like its subtleties bounce off new readers. Um, Criminal is not only just a fantastically written crime story, uh, it's also like laid out in a very easy to read way. Um, like I think one of the things that people as like long-term comic readers, um, like long-term comic readers don't actually realize is that it can be quite difficult to read a comic to understand like how to process a page like immediately. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And what, what criminal does is it's got all of the balloons are like at the top of the panels. All of the panels are like on a tier system. It's like all built around grids and stuff like that. So it's really easy to follow what's happening, what speaking order you're in. Um, Sean Phillips guides the the eye really well. Um, so yeah, just on, on terms of like ease of reading, I, I think I would pick Criminal, uh, like any of the Criminal books, but start at the beginning, Criminal Volume One. Yeah, that's a that's a really good uh, good choice and and a really good point actually for for people that are just coming in to comics because you know when if you're not seasoned in comic reading and you kind of jump into one way you've kind of got like a <clears throat> an entire vertical panel and then like three panels down the other side on a page yeah. and you're like where do I start <laughs> with yeah, that yeah. if you're a new comic reader um, that's I mean- a that's a really good point yeah, I'm a, I'm a massive fan of like J.H. Williams's work, but like if you give that to someone who's never read a comic before, like, like yeah, he's, he's, yeah, like it's gonna be impossible. The the other thing that I think is really good about Criminal is how distinct the characters are, um, like in terms of what they look like. When I was like first getting into comics, you have like a like some some art some like books where it's just like five different versions of the same. Uh, of like the same brown haired guy mm. uh and it makes mm. it a lot harder to follow um so yeah just in, in yeah like the the design of each of the character like he hairstyles and and you know distinctive scars and and even like the way that they dress is helps with um like legibility uh i think it's the most important thing about stopping people from just bouncing straight off a comic yeah Definitely. No, that's a really good choice. Nice one. Um, now, uh, if you could only take one comic into the apocalypse, which would it be? So, I, I've I've picked this one, which is From Hell by uh, Alan Moore and Eddie Campbell, um, because I've I've read it once before, and I really want to read it again, but I don't have time mm. to like actually digest the <laughs> the book, like to give it the the. Uh, <laughs> The, the time that it needs to um, to really like sink in because it's such a dense piece of work, um, which I really it, it rewards like rereading it and obsessing over each page and each decision. Um, that it, I I can't do it where I'm like reading a couple of pages a night before I go to bed or like trying to fit in around all like the new books that I'm reading and that I feel guilty about not having read, I've got like a pile of books that I've got from Kickstarter that I feel really, really bad for that I've not actually got round to like checking them out mm. and stuff. So if I can only take one book, I want to take a book that is dense enough for me to revisit it and also like that I've been meaning to reread and that I know is good, um, but just don't have the time to like give it the what it needs. No, that's a fantastic choice. Um, and yeah, you're totally right. Um, I, I wish I could, you know, dedicate so much more time <laughs> to reading all of the all of the books, the, the the ones that are waiting in my reading pile, and the ones that I want to reread again and again. Um, yeah, um, it's it's rather frustrating, isn't it? <laughs> but um, yeah. what better time than an apocalypse to to, to reread a good one? Yeah, definitely. Um, and like, yeah. It, it's one of those books that um, even in an apocalypse, you're like, oh, well, it could be worse. I could be living in like this version of uh, Victorian London. Uh, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. It, it, I wouldn't fancy it. No, 
it's also got like one of my favorite like craft stories and like i don't know how like if you're aware of like how the production of it went um i think i've heard something before but but tell me again yeah so alan moore was writing it like a page at a time so he would write a page send it to eddie campbell eddie campbell would draw it and then he would write the next page um wow and and there's a scene towards the end where it's about jack the ripper um and the ripper has killed someone and he's doing this um this this uh this like ritual where he's like placing the body parts in various points around the room um and Alan Moore realizes because he's such a detail orientated writer that he's put the liver in the wrong place in this room. Um, so he, he rings up Eddie Campbell and, and is, is saying to him like, Oh, have you, have you drawn this page? Cause I, I've made a mistake. I need you to fix it, but he's already finished the page. He can't go back. So he goes away and thinks for a moment. And the next page that he sends to Eddie Campbell is the the Ripper character looking at the liver going, that's in the wrong place, picking it up and moving it uh, to to the right spot. Um, Which is genuinely like, it's such a nice like character moment in the book. Um, And it just came completely Mm -hmm. like by happenstance. It's one of my favorite like moments in the book. And it comes from like just the, the insane like, style of working that that they were they were doing um because it, it feels so uh so natural that and so like considered um yeah it's, it's I, I think it's a really like nice moment in comics there's like so many decent like so many good ideas in comics uh, accidents or you know like a mm-hmm. prompt collaboration um i think it illustrates like yeah that really well um yeah it comes down to that team thing that we were talking about as well um, yeah, you know, just like from from that team effort comes some some wonderful things, and and that's a that's a great anecdote. I hadn't heard that one um, at all, but um, that is it. That is a brilliant anecdote to to know about, and just shows the power of kind of collaboration, and also sometimes perhaps working in, in an insane manner pays off. <laughs> Yeah, because that is an insane way to do a book. <laughs> Write oh, I mean, it a page at a time, send it to get cre- uh, drawn, and then move on to the next one. Yeah, and it, like when you read it, there's there's such a um, like you can't believe that's how it's done because it's so carefully constructed. Like all like all of Alan Moore's mm-hmm. work is like I mean, I don't know if you've ever like had a look at his scripts, but he, you know, he he controls everything in in his work. Like everything's there for a reason. Um, and for him to sort of like work, like take a step back and work in this manner, and then produce something like From Hell, it's like it, it makes you just in awe of him and angry that the comic industry has forced him out. Um, like it's yeah. been so dreadful to him that he's completely killed his love of the medium. Um, That's yeah. so sad, isn't it? Um, do you know? Do you know why he he chose that particular method? I, I don't... Uh, like, was there any reason behind it? Did he just come up with it and go, right, we're doing it this way? <laughs> I, I mean, I would guess it was, like, maybe a scheduling thing or maybe it was something that Eddie yeah, Campbell suggested. Um, or just, yeah. like, maybe he wanted to challenge himself. Because um, mm. he's also, like, a big believer in, like, um, magic and rituals himself. So um, yeah. it could be something to do with that. I should really look into it. Um yeah, see yeah. what reason was behind it. Um, it could be just as, as you say, something as simple as like scheduling issues yeah. and things. And of course, you know, it wasn't like it was all being done digitally. You know, no. um, it, it, it would have been all on a typewriter and on a Bristol board <laughs> type of thing. You know, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh... <laughs> but uh, no, that's fantastic. Uh, now, uh, along with uh, your copy of From Hell, uh, what weapon, tool, or useful item? would you like to take with you as well? Oh, okay. So, um, I would like to take a tent with me cause I'm going to be out in the, in the wilderness. Um, I, I'd like one of those big, um, th- those big like multi-room tents so I can like make my, um, like nice. Ramia's style of existence as comfortable as possible. Uh, <laughs> Like, oh, great to hear to get Ray Mears get a mention on the podcast. He was <laughs> like, I was obsessed with him at uni because um, I went to Plymouth Uni and then we used to do like these extreme weekends on, on uh, Dartmoor 
But oh, uh, right. yeah, great that Ray Mears finally got a mention on the podcast. <laughs> Not that I was expecting that, but awesome. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, so yeah, like, have you seen um, the episode of um, Parks and Rec where they go camping? Yeah. Uh, and and uh, Tom has like his tent with all of like, the stuff, and that's kind of what I want for my apocalypse. Is like just the nice. <laughs> keep it as uh, as civilized as possible. So I've got like a light to read my uh, copy of From Hell <laughs> <laughs> and DJ Rumba. Yeah, DJ Rumba keeping it uh, keeping it real. Yeah. One hundred percent. That's awesome, dude. Uh, well, happy to provide that uh, big glamping tent for you, so you can read from hell in luxury, and your dogs can live in uh, um, relative luxury as well, yeah. um, and be in a separate room sometimes yeah. as well. Because I assume you might need some space sometimes. Yeah, they'd, um, they'd be kicking off it. if you expected them to sleep outside. Uh. Yeah, right. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Well, uh, Jed McPherson, thank you so much for sharing your comments with the apocalypse. It's been an absolute pleasure. Yeah, thanks. It's been great. It's really fun talking about uh, some of my favorite comics. Nice. And for the listeners, one more time, where can they find you online? Yeah, I'm on uh, Twitter at Jed McPherson. And if you go to my website, which is jedmcpherson.com, um, and you'll be able to find links to all of my other uh, stuff. Uh, and the Cuddles Kickstarter is running. Uh, at the moment um, which you can find by going to my Twitter I will have probably tweeted it about a, a hundred times uh, <laughs> like I'm rightly sure I'm so rightly so yeah I assume I'm muted by everybody on on the on my Twitter <laughs> but uh. no it's 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 great man um and uh, yeah everybody go check out cuddles if it's your thing uh back it um and if it's not make sure you share it on social media anyway yeah, um, please do. Just, 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 just to get it out there to, to, uh, to everybody. So, uh, yeah, uh, thanks again, Jed. Jed, uh, it's been a real pleasure, and hopefully our paths will cross once again. Uh, Comic Con soon. Um, I yeah. really hope so. Um, yeah. I'm not. I'm probably not going to make Thought Bubble this year. Are you going to Thought Bubble? I am. Yeah, I'm. Like, it's my local convention, so uh, I, I always try and get down there. Um, mm. If I don't get a table, I'll, I'll I always like just go as a guest, but. Well, I've been lucky enough to get a table for the last couple of years. So, yeah, um, nice. can't keep me away from that con. Um, and then I'm f- hoping to do MCM London if they do it uh, in October. Uh, cool. Yeah, yeah, I'm hoping to as well. So um, hopefully, um, paths will cross then. Yeah, I'm sure at some point I, I do enough cons and I, I've seen you at a few before. So I bet I, we will meet Ditto. at some point again. Yeah. Yeah, fantastic. Well, thanks again, Jed. Um, and uh, take care. Yeah, thank you. Thanks again to Jed for being on Comics for the Apocalypse. It was an absolute pleasure. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review for us on iTunes or whichever podcast service you use, as not only will it let me know that you liked it, but I believe that it helps make other people aware of the show as well. If you'd like to check out Jed's work or follow him on social media, those links are in the show notes, along with all our own links to the various areas of the internet. Speaking of which, if you haven't already, be sure to visit Comic Scene's website at comicscene.org for comic news, the comic club, and other fun sequential art stuff. And finally, as long as the apocalypse doesn't come to pass in the next week, I'll see you next Monday. Bye for now.